Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Third Space Podcast, entitled The Insomnitron. This is Bennett, and in this episode, Daniel and I start off by talking about fear response, uh, or really, more accurately, jump scares. Um, what, what causes people to be startled easily? Is it a personality thing? Is it how you were raised? Does it have something to do with the technology around yourself, uh, an awareness of your environment? We start off talking about that, somehow Legends of the Hidden Temple and escape rooms and our childhood scare events get thrown in, but after that we move on and do a superpowers and drawbacks after a number of episodes, this time power level two, which is always entertaining, and then we round out the podcast episode with um, a discussion about what the world would be like if we managed to invent a device that could eliminate fatigue from our brains, essentially doing away with the need for sleep. Um, and that's the insomnitron. So what would happen in that world and what would change about it? We discussed that for a while. And that's the contents of the episode. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll let Daniel take it away. It's the Bennett and Daniel show of third space. That's You're going to confuse no. everyone. Everyone's yeah. going to be confused now. I'm in a confused mood. I counted to four <laughs> instead of six in our in our clap in. Our t- highly technological audio synchronization ritual. Yeah, where we clap. It kind of it's like a game day rite of passage ritualistic behavior where I get like in the headspace. You know, like I used to do the same amount of dribbles shooting a free throw. Like we do the same thing, and I just threw it off. And I and then maybe I was subconsciously I knew we count to six, but like. Four ought to do it, you know? Like, <laughs> like we, 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 where's a back and a fourth and a back and a fourth? Do we really need another back and forth? Like, no, nah, I think we got the rhythm. Yeah, we really don't need more than just the clap. Honestly, that does it, but it's nice to have the uh, the words, too. No one's going to know what we're talking about. No, um, that's okay. That, but that's worst okay. Worst intro ever. Yeah, worst intro. Ugh, I hate us. Um, <laughs> what's uh, what's been going on? It's I think well, it's it's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. It's been a minute. I I had a thought, and I'm gonna articulate it for the first time, and it might not make that much sense. Um, okay. Let me just let me just. I was I was backing up today out of my parking spot from my apartment, uh-huh. and I was thinking about the ubiquitous nature of backup cameras. They pretty much exist in any vehicle. Say what 2015, 2016. You know, even not your. They don't have to be high end. Like, there was a time when it was like, I have a backup camera, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now it's just ubiquitous. Right. Um, and I'm sure you've seen these sorts of pranks on the internet where someone will put a picture of, I don't know, like Pennywise the clown, or they put a little Freddy, like they put it yeah. close to the camera. And so people get scared when they put their backup camera on and they look and they see Freddy Krueger or a clown or whatever, just a scary face. And they go, ah, and they freak out. Right. Um, so. My hypothesis, and this goes deep, but that uh-huh. when when the camera was new, when it wasn't ubiquitous, that circa 2013 to 15, when like it was kind of rare and exciting to have a backup camera, mm-hmm. I don't think that that commonplace prank would be nearly as successful. Mm-hmm. I think that that you think it would make people mad. No, I no. Here's what I mean: is that our relationship with technology. We would have looked at the camera and just seen this obstruction or been going, like, oh, that's weird. Freddy Krueger is on my camera or like maybe a small startle. Oh, but okay. now that we, yeah. 
this is so I'm going big with this, but when we look at a digital interface, we tend to treat it as a digital interface until it becomes so accustomed. Right. Like it, it, it's it, an extension. The lines are blurred. Yeah, it's an extension. It's just looking yeah. in a mirror and it's looking at your surroundings. So at first, when you're first exposed to these cameras and screens, you treat them as cameras and screens, but eventually you see it as just a view of your surroundings. And so when you see Freddy Krueger taking up the camera, it actually freaks you out because it's like he's right there with you. Right. Whereas okay. previously it would have been like just seeing Freddy Krueger on a screen. And it made me think about the whole digital digital natives and digital immigrants and how like I'm and I think you're you're in this camp. We're sort of resistant to technology in some way. Well, not like the utility of technology, but but like I don't zoom or FaceTime regularly, or it's become commonplace for people, maybe like a long distance relationship, just to call your your significant other and just sit on Zoom or not Zoom, whatever whatever the medium is, but like just have a your digital image of them next to you, maybe while you do your homework or study or or work or whatever. And that's so unappealing to me because it does nothing in terms of intimacy for me. Like there's a layer, it, I see the screen as just a digital representation of the person on the other end. Whereas someone who's more accustomed to interacting with uh, FaceTime and things like that, you should try uh, uh, feel the intimacy. You should try getting your girlfriend a Freddy Krueger mask or a, a clown mask or something. <laughs> that way you feel more, it would catch your attention more, you would notice it and you'd, it'd be more intimate. Yeah, we're totally on the same page. This really <laughs> confirms that you're following my train of thought. <laughs> Third space. Um, yeah. We're in it. We're on the same wavelength. We're definitely on tell. the same page. No, 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 no. But, I get what you're saying. And uh, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like, I think it, you're it, right. Like it's I, weird I, to me to stare at a screen and actually be startled. Like you look at your backup camera and you see a monster in it and, and you go, oh, like it actually freaks you out as if it's with you because the line between reality and that camp and the camera are blurred. It's like might as well be looking at like it's it's staring you in the face. You're reacting as if Freddy Krueger's in the car with you versus, I don't know, like the distance from that camera. Maybe this isn't a fair comparison because even when it was new, you know, he'd be like, oh, it's right behind me. But I'm not sure. I just, I, that's my hypothesis is that this, this joke has evolved. This prank is more successful currently than it would have been, you know, six, seven years ago. Um, let me make a controversial and uh, probably inappropriate alternate hypothesis. I like this. That, Where that it's I, going. Um, so back in the early days when uh, backup cameras were new, it was probably more likely that only really people in high-end cars um, or with expensive aftermarket modifications had the backup cameras. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, every normal Joe Schmo person has a backup camera, as you said. Could it okay. simply be that higher quality people weren't getting scared of or wouldn't be getting scared of uh, you know, Freddy Krueger or It or whatever because they're just like... You know, they they know that there's not a clown in their backseat or whatever. <laughs> Whereas we have, you know, all of the plebeians, the the normal folks who don't know any better. I don't think there's a correlation between. I mean, okay, at first I like the provocative claim, but I, I just people who are like like I'm thinking of Stephen, for instance, a buddy of ours. Like he he is oh yeah so, he gets scared really easily. He gets scared really easily, and he's also like an intellectual person, he's, and like so I don't think there's a correlation between your sort of fright factor, this sort of. <laughs> jumpy kind of guy 
and your intellect. I think there's something primitive what, or what, primal. Uh, who or said anything about intellect, really? I mean, is oh, it... Oh, well, a quality person. So yeah. I mean, so is it might just... Still be <laughs> he, might still be, a, he might still be uh, low quality. Low yeah, quality I mean, person. Kind of smart, because I guess. Because startles easily. Yeah, kind of smart, <laughs> I guess, but, the, you know, the, who's... Which, we're not the talking about quality of here. quality person is how easily they're startled. Uh, yeah, obviously, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, but <laughs> well, yeah. it's funny that like there have been a. I think we've all experienced being startled, and when you can almost feel it in your scalp and in your skin, like the whole thing, like it's a very, it's visceral, I guess, or it's just like a physical, and and, and it almost hurts. It's a jolt feeling, but it doesn't happen to me often. So when it mm-hmm. does, mm-hmm. I feel almost a sense of embarrassment wash over me immediately. Like I didn't have control. It just was like, if you were to catch me on video, it would look really funny. And so Steven, for instance, has that maybe multiple times a day. I mean, I remember (laughs) we were roommates and I just, you know, and and my girlfriend, like I'll, I'll say, Hey, and and like just the startle factor is, I don't know how to, I don't know what that is. And I don't know why. I was going to ask, what do you, what do you think that is? Is it just, is it a high degree of focus on whatever, they're doing or is it like is it the opposite is it a low degree of awareness of what's going on around them like well is there a difference if you have what's what's the difference between i I don't know i mean if you you may have a low degree of awareness about everything not simply that you're zoned and then yeah (laughs) into nothingness is if that's even possible i have a hard time uh um imagining what that's like because usually i'm either daydreaming focused on something abstract and not present or or i'm really into but either way, I, even when I'm really into something, for some reason, I, I'm just not startle prone. But uh, I do think I think that is pa- a big part of it is you are focused. So yeah, um, my girlfriend about, gets really focused, and so, and so does Steven. So what what about this? Um, so you and I, I, I don't I don't know that I would buy this one either. But you and I are also both very. Um, you know, we're we're organized. Everything has its spot. We tend to be. Mm-hmm. We know if we're in our comfort zone, if we're in our you know home or workplace or wherever, we know everything that's around us, and so you kind of know what to expect from your surroundings. Um, and so if you hear a sudden noise, you know what it probably is. You know, like if you hear a clang, oh, that's right, I had something in the washing machine, and you know, uh, you know, it makes you a identify noise it, and it quickly. Stops. Yeah, you yeah. quickly identify it, and you're not startled. Do you think that is possible? I'm not buying or? it. I'm just not no. buying it because I think that that it's this. Like the the feeling that I have when that happens, even if I'm identifying it within, I don't even know how to measure time, but I quickly know, like the fear is gone and I'm feeling embarrassed almost simultaneously. Like clearly it's it's reaction then embarrassment, but it feels like it's a singular moment of like, it's almost like I'm frozen with embarrassment or I'm like, uh, anyway, I, I, my, I, I can't help but guess that it is biologically or evolutionarily instilled in us is some sort of survival mechanism a fight or flight and mm-hmm. and the it, it's just your body's whatever mechanism that jolts you um I, i'm gonna guess that actually everyone gets the jolt and the jolt feels less physical for me typically and the jolts that I, the rare jolt is the one that actually makes me I mean, momentarily freeze up, almost like those goats that'll fall over when their legs get stiff, you know? Have you seen those? Yeah. And they get startled. Like, I think that something 
a, a very small version of that is happening to people who are startled easily and and make funny reactions where they or whatever and and i don't i just i still get startled but like it doesn't feel as physical and so therefore it doesn't feel as intense um did you yeah. um did you, did your dad or anyone ever you know scare you when you were a kid or did you have a lot of jump scare experiences maybe from movies or anything like that when you I, were a kid? This is funny you say that my I liked scaring my mom and uh, it was almost a a part of growing like it was fun to to scare my mom and and scare my dad and I wonder if this is a thing that most kids go through it's a playful thing and they'll scare you a little bit back and all of that but I recall one time. Uh, I, my dad and I, like I, I had jogged to the lake, which is about a mile at the end of my neighborhood. And, um, my dad uh, convinced him to come with me very rare. And then we came back and we decided to call my mom and say, Hey, we got down to the lake and we're tired. Will you come pick us up? Uh, drive the mile down the road and pick us up. But really we were already back and I'd snuck in, I'd sneaked uh, into the back of the, the minivan and, when she cranked the car and I just I scared her. <laughs> oh man, I knew. I mean, I was giddy with excitement. We were, I was a teenager at the time, and she she jumped out of the car, and, like, <laughs> and then she she, she kind of goes into when fight or flight. She's more fight, like swinging. <laughs> like she does this, she'll swing and stuff. But she was out of the car and like near tears, and I knew I had like messed up to some degree, and I'm giggling, <laughs> but like frantically like <laughs> and I'm laughing and my dad's watching this whole thing laughing and she's pissed and she <laughs> runs inside actually the first thing she does is just heads right inside and locks the door and then oh, she locks yeah, all the doors and locks us out for like right. an hour that sounds like anyway. something you're wrong with you that's funny <laughs> so that was it that's like a one of those stories that is told and retold in my family because it's probably the worst she's ever been scared in that Contest. She was just so confident we were down at the lake, you know. Um, so the reason, anyway. I so asked, we did this regularly. Yeah, we, we the, scared the reason, each other, but I didn't. I didn't get. I don't know. They didn't do it that well. Well, the reason I ask is just I, I don't know another hypothesis. I guess like when I was a kid, you know, my dad would uh, you know hide around the corner and try to scare me when I walked past, and I would do the same thing. And I'm just wondering if it's not a developmental thing where. As a teenager or a kid, your pride is on the line, right? You don't want to be scared. You don't want yeah. to jump and show that you're startled. It's part of the easily. game is not being gotten, kind of thing. Right, exactly. So you know, I was trained uh, by this practice um, to you know when I came downstairs and you know at night and went around the corner, I just always expected someone to jump out at me, and so it became like many times he would actually be standing there ready to scare me. And he, he would try, and I would already, you know, I would I would wouldn't react because I would be expecting it already. And so anyway, like I kind of developed this uh, anti-startle self-defense sort of thing, if you can call it that. Like, do you think that maybe there is some sort of uh, developmental, you know, sort of defense mechanism that you I, and I built up, and the other people might have built up? I don't know what Stephen's uh, child life was like, or your girlfriend's child. I life would was like. like to ask more people who startle easily because. They people who get startled easily tend to get scared a lot more, ironically, and they don't seem to get better. But I agree with you that I did seem to build some resilience, and I played the game where I was expecting them, so I could not be bested. And so, yeah, but but 
that's the irony is the ones who react a lot are the ones that get scared a lot and that, and they get videoed a lot and that's it's it's self-fulfilling in that way it's amusing to see them and i think the amusement comes from that inability to contain oneself mm-hmm. in that moment like that's hilarious like they can't look graceful or cool or calm or collected right. and uh yeah i don't i don't i don't so i'm not buying that like you can over just kind of Look, if you scared someone so frequently that they were expecting it every time, I don't know if, if they just for some reason return to a naive state where they come around that corner and somehow it is surprising. I do wonder that. Like, if they were scared so frequently, how do they main, How do they still do that? You know, like, I've seen, whether it's a TikTok or, a, you know, whatever, just a series of scaring grandma or granddad or or brother or sister, whoever it is, but you can see a series of them being frightened and they they jolt in a similar fashion and you can see a series of like 10 scares and it's so funny, but it's also like, how are they not expecting it? After, if, even if that was shot with over a month, that's 10 times. Like that's about how I was, you know, it wasn't incessant. I wasn't completely picked on by my parents, but I did learn, like you said, just to, just to frequently expect it. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know what to think. I still think it's just, Sort of, you got it or you don't. That's that's where my that's what my intuition tells me. Like you either jolt or you don't, and you can you can improve a little bit, but you know, I don't know. I'm just not that jolt jolty. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer is. Um, I don't know. I I've, I've never thought about that. I have to get more more data. Ask more people about their experience. What would you see. What would you if you were to sit down and want to like collect that data, like and try and look at studies? I mean, I you know, academic studies on like scaring each other. <laughs> it's just weird to conduct studies. Like how would you get that data, you know? Yeah, I like I'd probably the watch experiment. I'd probably watch all of the seasons of um what was that? Uh that scare tactics or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably watch all of that. As okay, well let's take let's take horror uh like Hallis Scream and these like haunted houses. It's how you know, it's October, it's it's getting to be closing in on Halloween, like, and people like the thrill. Um, but I feel, and I, I I was always wanting to find, just like I want to find the scariest movie, it always appealed to me to go to a haunted house that would be really scary. But now, uh, I don't know if I've grown out of it. I don't know what the reason is, but it's primarily because a really good haunted house is not going to be just mechanical in nature. It's going to be humans dressed up, and they're jumping out of most corners. And a few corners are there just to make you think someone's going to jump out, and then they don't. But if you're anticipating it every time, I mean, I just don't see how it's that scary, <laughs> frankly. Right. Um, and it's fun to go with someone who does get startled and scared, and they seem to be completely out of control, right? Or maybe they're lo- letting themselves be scared. I'm not sure. I'm not Like, what's the appeal of it? And how is that related to what we're talking about? Um, <clears throat> like you yeah, don't seem I mean, like a horror, haunted house kind of guy. Like you wouldn't care. No, I would. That wouldn't. I wouldn't like that. But um, would you like to go with someone who is really funny when they were scared? Or like, would that be amusing to you? Um, yeah, it would be amusing. Would but you believe if, them, or would you be like, "Come on, how are you scared every corner we're going around"? Uh, it depends on who it is. I think. Um, but like it would be amusing, but it wouldn't be amusing enough to outweigh my annoyance at having to go. So, yeah, on the on the cost benefit scale, I would rather not go, even yeah. if they were amusing. I think. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been to a haunted house like that before where they, you know, try to scare you and all that. I don't know. I think it's just because I find jump scares so cheap. Uh, and, like, I don't know. How can you do a sophisticated jump scare? You really can't. It's just... It's know, not. It's, it's, it's cheap. It is not, cheap. It's not sophisticated. And once you're jump scared once, like, you know what it is. And just, you know it's going to happen. And it's kind of like... Uh, um, it's kind of unfair, right? Like you're you're just at the mercy of the haunted house people, and okay, you're having me walk down the dark hallway. Is it going to be this step that they jump scare me, or this step, or this step? Right. And you know, you're just waiting on it. I think a good haunted house would either have to go all out and try and tell a story, or the rooms, and that that's not likely to happen, particularly if you're shoveling people in and out. And then, so so a good a good haunted house now is thematic either by room or holistically and you know tell some vague sense of a story like why you're waiting in line and then so when you get in it's dramatic set pieces where you can enjoy almost the art of the eeriness like you walk in and it's like a doll spotlighted and that's all you see and then the light turns on and there's lots of dolls or i don't know but or, or you're making yeah. your way through uh hanging bodies that you're having to push your way through and then one of them like is a person you know suspended however about whatever wires and actually moves or but like to set that to really build that tension with a crazy setting and then or you like, have to explore it to some degree you know you walk in and there's like glitter on the floor yeah and or mustard and <laughs> i don't know yeah like and it sticks to your shoes like the glitter sticks to your shoes and so you track it home with you Ugh. well this this just made me think of like a, a horror themed escape room could be because oftentimes oh, these escape rooms yeah, are puzzle based but mm-hmm. also uh narrative they intertwine narrative and puzzles for pleasure but, and so there probably is that i'm sure that i'm sure is. there's tons of them and because you know the, the yeah. general plot line for half the escape rooms is oh you know this the owner of this house, the evil maniacal murderer, you have to find the clues, or he's going to come back and kill you too. You know that kind right, of right, right. And so you can make it really morbid and do lots of things with death and blood, and go from room to room and do some different. I don't know. I could see it being really, really fun. And actually, like I could see that setting that I'm having to concentrate, and then being more susceptible to all the, the little jump scares become a little richer because they've earned it a, a little bit like they've earned the distraction because i'm having the focus to to solve puzzles so they would really get me possibly it would be cool to do a haunted house escape room that was like how you know big and you're walking down hallways and stuff but also escaping somehow having to solve things i don't know how oh i like i like the idea of that and you're mobile so instead of or an hour in a singular room and you know even the good ones you might go into two rooms or three but it's basically a three would be a massive escape room but if it's a house and you're going into nine or ten the puzzles are oh. it just would feel like a lot of movement you, like there's you remember, simple rooms you so. remember how in uh legends of the hidden temple the those um tribal dudes would reach out like in the lair of the silver monkey yeah. and grab you and pull you into the wall and unless you had a token and you have to give up one the, of your tokens unless you had the yeah. token from olmec and all of those yeah. things yeah <laughs> then um it would be cool to do it like that you start with a team of four or five people you know in your haunted house escape room but you know like if they don't collect the right item from the puzzle box to defend themselves from the zombie or whatever then the zombie can grab them and you lose a team member uh, when they get pulled into the the pit or whatever the cemetery or something like that 
yeah that'd be cool and so you know your team is getting um you have attrition as you try to escape as your people are getting captured unless you solve the puzzles correctly and get the you know chainsaw or the flashlight or whatever yeah and you could earn them back somehow too i don't know so they can watch i'm just trying to think of how how you would create that in which they could participate once they've been eliminated in a fun way Um, right or maybe one of the puzzles one of the puzzles you have to sacrifice someone ah yeah like actual sacrifice (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's cool we have good ideas we'll add it to our uh our escape room business let's um, do it plan so (laughs) um i have an idea how about we do a superpowers and drawbacks we haven't done one in a long time i think i would very much like that all right let's do it um (laughs) i have a few i have a few picked out uh already this time we're gonna do on the scale of one to ten we're gonna do a two so Uh, very very exciting i actually like the lower ones so yeah me too so it's not the bottom of the barrel but it's it's one step above so I, i think i think you'll enjoy these so um all right, so I'll pre- I'll present the four uh, the four options. So two superpowers and two drawbacks. So I'm ready. the the first uh, the first superpower that you can choose from is called over the counter cure. And over this, the counter cure. Over the counter cure. So for this one, you can count if you count to any number over two thousand, then it will relieve any mild illnesses that you have, headaches or stomach aches or anything like that. Over 2,000? Yep. You just count. Okay. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, all the way up to 2,000. I can count as fast as I want? Yep. Does it have to be vocal? Um, no. Okay. Um, and it'll, it'll cure your illnesses, mild illnesses. That's a long time to do that. Hmm. Okay, keep going. Um, the second potential superpower is called digital thermometer. And uh, this one, by concentrating... On a particular temperature, you can cause your toes to rapidly cool or heat up, cool down or heat up, and you can cool down. Cool, you can cool, potentially cool down your toes all the way to negative two hundred degrees Celsius, or heat them up all the way to one thousand degrees Celsius by doing this. And they and, don't hurt me. Like... No, yeah, your, your toes or any of the tissues next to your toes, they're they're not damaged by this. Um. A thou- is that enough to if I put it to paper it would like oh. it would definitely like whoosh, flame like definitely. yeah yeah and you it would catch stuff on fire and you could easily freeze uh-huh. things uh, at minus two hundred <laughs> like if I needed to chill my drink you know yeah you <laughs> stick could just my toes in. dip your toes in if you wanted to <laughs> you could do that um it, it doesn't affect hygiene like. Or does it? Because that uh, hot, there'd be yeah, no sure. bacteria. You could, yeah, you could yeah. Fr- fry all of the all of your athlete's foot off of your toes anyway. I mean, um, I could cook things on my feet. You could easily cook things with your toes. I mean, I'd burn things on my feet if I weren't careful, you know? Uh-huh. That, that's an I mean, interesting... You, you can do... You, you have to concentrate on it. So, you know, if you do have to be careful with it. But, you know, it's not like you're going to accidentally burn your shoes off. You have to concentrate on the temperature. Like steadily, or I just go, please be eighty degrees, please be eighty degrees, and it kind of gets there. To, I, I mean, my yeah, straining to what? Yeah, it doesn't. Not it doesn't tire you out. Um, you just have to concentrate on, it, focus on it, and it does take some time to elevate. You know, if you're doing an extreme temperature, like if you want to go all the way to a thousand degrees, 
you know, it takes a little while for your toes to, to get there to heat up. But If I wanted to cook a piece of bacon, I couldn't like play a game on my phone and sort of be thinking, come on, feet get warmer and play a game on my phone or send an email or something. I'd have to like be thinking about my feet. Um, I mean, you, you would have to be thinking about your feet, but you know, I mean, even when you're actually cooking bacon on the stove, you can you can kind of concentrate on something else. You know, if you're listening to yeah. music or a video or something in the background, so it doesn't take your your 100% focus, but it, you you can't just do it you know, in the back of your mind or something. Okay, okay, makes sense. Uh, it does. Okay, um, all right. So you have those two potential superpowers to choose from, but in order to get one, you have to choose one of these two drawbacks. The first one is called I think I'm gone. I think I'm going to puke. Uh, and, and it's very simple. Hearing the sound of a gong makes you vomit instantly. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I hear a lot of gongs in my life. It's true, uh, but when it happens... You're going to puke. <laughs> yeah, you're going to puke instantly. Just project out right there. No, yeah. no holding back. Nothing. And if anyone finds out this weakness of yours, then you're not going to have a good time. Did you think of like that phrase and then think of the superpower? I mean, the drawback? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> it just sort of all happened beautifully at once. Yeah, that, I think that I'm does going happen. To puke. That does happen a lot. I think of a phrase and I think, ah, oh, that'd be a good superpower or drawback. <laughs> um, the other, the other drawback that you can uh, choose is called objects in mirror may be older than they appear. And for this one, uh, your reflection appears to you and only you to be yourself at seventy-five years old, and it's non-predictive. So. Just seeing your old self in the mirror doesn't mean you're going to actually live to 75. But if I did learn to... Or if you did if live I, to 75, then I, that's it, how might, look. it would look like you. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if you turned 75 and looked in the mirror, it would be perfect. It would look just right. But Okay. Um, so uh, there you go. <laughs> Time okay. to become a superhero. Yeah, I think so. Um let me think about the drawbacks for a moment. I think I'm gong to puke. Um, it seems like a risk I'm willing to take for almost any superpower uh, because, okay, it's most likely to happen probably during a movie or, I mean, in real life, I don't know that I've heard just a good old loud gong. And when I have, I really don't know that I have, but I've seen it on TV, you know, I've seen it represented. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that would make me a projectile, but like that is pretty rare and a risk I might be willing to take. Okay. I mean, it could suck if you were in a situation and you just can't avoid hearing the gong though. Yeah. It's your birthday and you go to the hibachi restaurant and they <laughs> say, happy birthday to you. And they have a special, you know, Japanese happy birthday song. And then they bong at the very end of it. And you projectile vomit right onto the hibachi table and it sizzles and everything. It cooks the rice. It it's cooks like... your vomit on the hibachi table and the smell oh, was everywhere. gross. Oh, that's yeah. gross. And then seeing yourself at 75, at first, that sounds like almost no drawback. It's just like, okay, I know this isn't real, but I wonder how much of our self-image is seeing ourselves in the mirror. And, uh-huh. you know, there are times we feel like handsome or not handsome, and you're and, and it's nice to feel confident and get that extra boost when things seem to fit just right or your hair, you're having a good hair, I don't know, a good hair day, whatever that might mean, or you just feel, you're feeling yourself. And I do think that this 
drawback might be significant in the the dreaded self-esteem department that that term makes me cringe to some degree self-esteem but i but i'm going to use it because i think it's useful here and i think it would impact your self-image perhaps in a humbling way it's literally impacting your self-image because you can't see yourself except from and this is reflection reflected in water or your phone case yeah excuse me or whatever like yeah yeah so um that is a risk that's harder to quantify well both are difficult to pin down but the fact that i i just know i can conceptualize seeing myself older all the time a little bit and it's it's all the time versus the gong thing i think i think i'm gonna puke like three times i really think maybe i mean it could be it could be eight for the rest of my life but it could be three <laughs> you're definitely gonna hear more than eight gongs in the rest of your life uh you ch- bet accepted man i'm gonna i'm gonna start counting my gongs <laughs> do it then do it i'm sure right. you've heard eight gongs i mean there are gongs in musical pieces that you hear you know, sometimes okay. and uh, if you watch that, any yeah. Chinese or Japanese or Asian themed movie, you hear it just in our B movie watching. We've probably heard eight gongs, you know, like uh, big trouble okay. in China. There's got to be a gong in there. We okay. That okay. Okay. Times. Well, fair enough. But like even that the gong. Okay. In that situation, we're watching B movies. The, the projectile vomiting is, is manageable. Like it, it's not <laughs> gonna, maybe to you, but that all, now this means I have to projectile vomit as well because as soon as you do, I'm going to. I'm just that's I'm more thinking like I'm at the theater or a music musical show or something and like it's yeah. just this nightmare in front of everyone Very versus funny. you and I are like just watching a movie and I projectile vomit and I go, "Ah, damn it," you know. I definitely think and, that's worse. Um what? Okay. You, if me and you are watching a movie and you, you think that's vomit. worse? Yeah, I don't want to. Well, have for to be you, oh, that. for you, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't care if you do it in a movie theater, <laughs> but if you do it with me, there, that's not, yeah. that's gross. I don't want to see that. So, that. I, I actually, if I had to choose one of those, I would choose the gong thing. I just would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think of the utility of what do we call it? The thermometer. Digital like, thermometer. Yeah, because it's you, weird that you call it digital. Because digi- it's your oh, digits. okay. I was dang it. I was waiting, looking for the pun and digital. Because yeah. your toes are digits. The thermometer isn't right because thermometer measures temperature, but you know, <laughs> cut me some slack here. You know. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Digital thermometer. Um, I'm trying to think of the utility of that. It's funny because toes. You did a good job of making it inconvenient. And a little gross. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's not inconvenient. It, right? Well, just take it's it. Just... You almost always have socks and shoes on. And so I'm just saying on your body, if it were my fingers, it's a lot more. Oh, uh, sure. I, right. I just feel like I would use it a lot more. Whereas I'd have, I'd have to think about is this, is this something I want to do? The feet, just the barrier to it being not even close to my, uh, like the feet are the furthest, it's the furthest part of myself from myself. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, that's a funny thing to say. Where do I reside in my body? I don't know, but I think the feet are far away from from me. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a heady statement. Uh, literally, because no, we're in. Statement. Well, if we're in our, if we're in our, 
like where do I feel like I'm located in my body? Uh, it, the very nature of that question is is headache inducing, but well, the feet are way way down to there. Count to two thousand and <laughs> get rid of that. So that has some some practical utility to me. Counting to a two thousand quickly would take. Uh, how long do you think that would take? I don't know, a few minutes. Yeah, let's say <clears throat> under mean, ten minutes. An hour is thirty six hundred seconds. And you can count, you know, you're not, you're counting way faster than a second. One, two, three, four, you're counting yeah, one, two, three, three five, numbers five, a second or something. So it would probably take five, you five, 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 five. 15 to 20 minutes, maybe, okay. little, maybe less. So this is interesting. I would say that that counting occupies the same headspace as it does to make your toes hotter or colder. So you can kind of count on semi-autopilot, but you definitely have to get the, each number. You can't just skip some or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and my stomach hurts fairly frequently. Uh, I have probably, I'm going to guess less headaches than the average person, but, you know, close to average, slightly less than, mm-hmm. uh, and far more stomach aches is my guess. So, uh, but, I just, but, but there's something powerful about these toes being really cold <laughs> and really hot. Like, they could be yeah. life-saving. They could be. Could I just be. can't think of why. Uh, it's... <laughs> Like a lot of the things we've talked about, like the party trick advantage, or at least the party trick, um, the it's attraction funny how often of that the comes into play <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, the pageantry of it, but I don't see much pageantry in hot toes. You know, like look how hot my toes get. But like it would be like look at it sizzle some bacon. I don't know why I keep coming back to that. Uh, <laughs> it's just because it's very uh, it's audio heavy to the sizzling of the bacon. It's like you can see the heat and and. You can always it. have a cold drink, you know, if if it's the hot summer and you have your drinks yeah. have, you know, gotten hot and warm. <laughs> so you can gross. Put it between your feet and cool it down. Uh, yeah, I guess it's not sticking it in the liquid, you know. I kept thinking of it like going, sticking your foot in the liquid. No, um, I'd like to know if I were in a pool during the summer, let's say in Florida, where the, you know, it's a little bath water like, do we wish it were cooler? And I, and I just made my feet get really cold would it it wouldn't really do anything to a pool uh or how Uh, long would it take for it to do something to a pool yeah i didn't do i didn't do the calculations for that it's It's, like you could take your bubble your your i would i might take more baths and just and i'd heat up the water that way i don't know it could just be if you loved baths this would be more appealing you could take hotter like hotter baths easily more easily so uh, i think what would probably happen is that if you got in the pool and you wanted to make it cooler and you concentrated and you made your toes minus 200 degrees, probably what would happen is the water would just freeze around your toes and you know, you would have, you would just have a big ice ball around your feet um, (laughs) and it wouldn't really spread out to the whole pool effectively. Like you want, you'd probably be better served choosing. I don't know. We'd have to run some experiments to see what would happen exactly. But none of this, I'm trying to think of the most, the extreme positive. Self-defense. If someone is attacking you, heat your toes up to a thousand degrees and just kick them. And not only have they been kicked, now they have also been set on fire. Yeah, yeah. Do I have to deal with that? Like, I better take my socks and shoes off. Like, this is, is, once they're a thousand degrees, they're affecting anything other than my toes and the skin around it. And like, like... So it would just 
burn holes in my shoes and my socks and stuff. Yeah, it would, yeah. Okay. So you, um, you, you might have to consider that a little bit. Maybe if you're being attacked, quickly take your shoes off. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hold on, hang on a second. You're, you're going to love this party trick, criminal. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. Oh, crap. This guy might be a mugger. Hold on a second. What are you doing? Taking off my shoes. <laughs> Do you want, Wait, the ice, gonna... you want the ice foot or the hot foot? I can, Come at I can me. see this like, hey, nice Nikes, punk, <laughs> and I and I grin at him like you have no idea. Hand over the Nikes, sure thing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't. I'm, this isn't appealing to me. The digital thermometer is not appealing to me. So I think I'm taking the deal, and All I'm right. taking over the counter cure. Okay. And I'm going to puke. Interesting, interesting choices, my friend. I think. It, it, yeah. Let me just sit with that for a few seconds here. <laughs> it's the this the risk factor of gongs. Um I would if I were if this were real, I'd say, Hey, give me an hour, I'm gonna dig deep into <laughs> gongs and see how pervasive they are in our society. <laughs> you know? And, and if I found out that did you know gongs are used in, you know, ten percent of musical numbers and stuff, I'd just be like, I can't do this. I can't take yeah, this. You, you have to do a quick listen through the third eye blind discography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wanna know, yeah, the prevalence of gongs in in I do. Uh and but if if I'm accurately perceiving the rarity of gongs and say, uh, if I'm not actively avoiding gongs, then I'm exposed to a couple a year. Then a couple of years, a lot of puking That's out of control. <laughs> yeah, but you get to cure all of your headaches. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, well, let let me explore a little bit so I can cure some. He- even a pretty bad headache, right? Or a hangover, or... Yeah, you know. okay. Okay, cures a hangover, cures a headache, cures just... COVID, anything mild. <laughs> well, no, like, what about colds, like a comment, like, to sniffles and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, yes, I'm going to take it, I think. At least that's what my intuition's telling me. How about you? Uh, I, I don't, I don't get headaches very often almost never really probably less than one a year i don't really get stomach aches like, i don't really have illnesses that often which i'm grateful for so this superpower doesn't i mean it's useful but not that useful digital thermometer like i have the same questions about its utility but I'm pretty sure i can find some uses for heating up my toes to a thousand degrees like that's just pretty cool or you know or hot, depending, whatever. <laughs> like, I could, I, I could definitely be satisfied by having that superpower. Um, but the drawbacks, uh, I hate puking. I don't hear that many gongs. Uh, it's tough. But the mirror thing, like, yeah, there's the psychological component to it that you you mentioned. I don't think that would bother me as much. I think the practical problem would bother me more like sometimes i actually want to know what i look like because i need to say oh okay i'm about to go out into public like do i look presentable like how do how am i looking right now and if i am a 75 year old man in the picture i'm not going to be able to tell as easily okay do i look how do i look do i look all right do i look presentable i'm a 75 year old man so i don't know really like yeah I, i'm not sure i think the practical thing might might kind of get in the way there um 
let me ask you this. Um, you're sitting on the couch. You have a fan position blowing, and you, you put your feet up on the coffee table, and you've positioned a fan that are blowing past your feet toward you, and it's a hot summer day, and your AC's broken, and you've turned your feet down to negative 200. Well, is this going to be a nice, cool breeze blowing on you? This is a science yeah. question. I think yes, it would definitely. be, right? It would be. It would be, yeah. And it would probably um, dehumidify your air, too, so it would pull all the water out of the air and freeze it on your toes. <laughs> um, hmm. Okay. Uh, so what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do a digital thermometer, and I think I'm going to puke. I think I can take the risk of the gongs. Um, but, man, I hope no one finds out about this <laughs> drawback because i mean let's be real that's a risk here if someone if like if a student that doesn't like you finds out about this drawback of yours you're done you know like it could become a game where you're like clicking on files or anything you open up starts playing gongs they could have a gong notification you know tone on their phone or something (laughs) and as soon as it detects them right in the middle of class and there's nothing you can do and it's not like you can you know, uh, what what are you doing? Are you putting his gong as your notification tone? I didn't know. Sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm just I'm laughing too because my initial thinking was like, oh, how many gongs do you hear in a lifetime? Like eight, and you're like, no, you hear one in you could hear eight in a year, or like we're just far apart on conceptualizing how often we're exposed to gongs. <laughs> I haven't had to try and guess how many gongs I'm going to hear in my life. Like over under 30 because if we're at 30, that's 30 times you're going to really puke and this, you know, independent of its inconvenience of when it's going to happen. That's just if I was just guaranteed to puke 30 more times, it's like that that means something bad. Like I I don't like puking. So <laughs> Yeah. I think I think I'm gonna chance it. I think I'm gonna chance it for this. And like every time I puke because of a gong, then you know I'll just have to go home and satisfy myself with heating up my toes or something and going. Oh, it was worth it. It was worth it. The over-the-counter cure, though, like you're guaranteeing a reasonably comfortable physical life. Oh, would would this cure like I have a little bit of ache in my knee? For instance, I hit it the other day. It's a little bit achy. Would that get rid of that? I don't think so. That's more of an injury rather than an illness. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so like a paper of, cut or something, it wouldn't yeah, kill. Yeah. No. No. Getting, getting okay. kind of technical, but yeah, I would say this is more for an illness and not an injury. I mean, okay. you could you could quibble, but I'm just gonna set the rules there. I like it. It's fine. That's not how I was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still taking it. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Or, like, it would be easier if it, yeah, if, like, I hate the maddening itch of mosquito bites or whatever bugs might you might get into. If you could eliminate itchiness, too, through this, but, yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, I don't think so. It's not an illness. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm, un, I'm probably the least sure about my decision here. Usually I conclude and I feel good, but now I feel like we're at the move on point, and I'm, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, and, and I'm and not happy. Well like, it doesn't sit well with me. I'm not satisfied with my decision, so... <laughs> Well, yeah. maybe on best of best of superpowers and drawbacks, we'll revisit it, and you can uh, <laughs> you can revise things after after you've sat with if, it for a while. If you've made note, I would almost like to do a fast 
recap of ones and see if I choose the same thing because I don't remember, right? And so uh, I'd like to know if it was just sort of random into my mood or, you know, like if I choose the exact same uh, of all of them. I'd like to know that. Yeah, I make a note of when we did it and what and you know what episode and all, but I didn't. I don't know which ones you chose. We'd have to go back and listen and, uh, and compile them. But wouldn't that be interesting if I if I didn't know and you did and you said, "Oh, yep, you chose a different one this time." Like, <laughs> man, I'm just random. I just make decisions based on nothing. Versus, uh, nope, it, you you aligned perfectly like you did last time. So. Well, let's be real. Uh, the the ones and twos, you know, like a lot of times they could go either way. They're pretty. Uh, they're pretty they could yeah minor they're pretty I, minor I, I tend to take your offers i mean i think anyway that's good i, I like I that I, that's why i'm your friend if you didn't take these then i would reconsider things <laughs> it also means you've uh there's parity among the superpower and drawback yeah i try to do my best you've caught me a few times where they seem a little bit uh out of whack but well you I don't mean, examine as thoroughly at least I don't think before you vet that we vet them thoroughly. That's the whole game is vetting them. Yeah. I mean, I have a, you know, I have a big list. I have dozens that we haven't done before, but they're all rated differently. So uh, like for twos, I only have twos. I have a a lot. So I think I have like three drawbacks and four superpowers left in in twos. Um, And then I have a lot of threes. Well. I feel like there's room to make this into a party game. We could market somehow. I don't know. I like it. Don't, don't, yeah. We could, maybe, but I don't know. It's good enough for a podcast segment. I like it. Um, uh, I have another thing that I want to discuss with you. It's um, kind of along the same lines as some of the superpowers, maybe, but you remember uh, a couple episodes ago we talked about the te- the teleportation devices that were the size of refrigerators. Remember that? Yes, yes. So I have another proposed sci-fi item uh, that I want you to think about. What would change? What would the world be like if it were invented uh, yeah. today? So uh, imagine a device that instantly, re- or not instantly, but quickly replenishes the brain just like sleep does. Um, so I imagine it like, you know, those hair dryer things in a salon that, you know, women put their head under. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Curling even, stuff. And, I don't even yeah. know what those do, really. But that thing with the holes in it and everything. <laughs> and why I, do, I, do they still exist? <laughs> you know? I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen one. Every time I go into a salon now, um, I don't see those. <laughs> yeah. Um, All your salon visits recently don't. It's really weird how salons have changed over the years. Like I remember in like old timey videos I would watch, they would have those swinging doors and like a bar and cowboys and stuff. And then like in the nineties, <laughs> it was like old women getting their hair curled. So, <laughs> so saloon, salon, times, potato, potato. <laughs> times they are changing. <laughs> now we don't even see salons. So who knows where things are? Going. Anyway. Anyway, that's how I picture it, is a thing like that that comes down over your head and uh, costs about $1,000 for okay. this device, and it replenishes the equivalent of one hour of sleep every minute. So you, know, you sit with your head under this thing for eight minutes, and you feel fresh and as if you have just had a solid night's sleep. Um, wow. Oh, man, I really like this invention. You should, yeah. you should make it. I call I'd it- buy it. I call it the insomnitron because <laughs> you don't it, have to sleep. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Insomnitron, I, I like it. So, do you think? Uh, what do you think about the device? Um, well, obviously, it? it's super appealing because we sleep so much of our lives away. We require this rest. And one of the questions I have about rest is the escape factor. Um, like, I wonder. There's something about taking a break, taking a like. There's even expressions like "let me sleep on it." You know, let let it sink in. It's this idea that don't let the sun set on your anger, kind of thing. Like there are multiple reasons where sleep. It's good to take a break from yes. consciousness. It's a good. It's good to take a break from consciousness. It's. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that term white space or if I brought it up on the podcast fo- before, but it started off in the field of aesthetics and particularly um, museums. Uh, you don't hang a famous painting next, right next to a ton of paintings. You don't just fill a wall up with paintings. You have one painting and a lot of white space in between that and the next painting. And the idea is that there's nothing there, but that nothingness isn't nothing. It's actually supporting the painting, right? Like it, it frames the painting. And so psychologists have kind of jumped on this term as like when we are exposed to a complex idea, uh, then we need white space. We need time to process uh, that huge idea. And so when I think about that in terms of education, I think of a student going to a class, getting exposed to a new idea and going, hmm, but then they have to immediately go to their next class and get exposed to an idea. And it's just a series of, I mean, in, in an effective school day, ideally you're getting exposed to a lot of great ideas, but but there's That's a problem with too much of it. And when when do you sit around and get to, well process and so that's a good point it is interesting in school how you know you go from your math class where you're learning about like pythagorean theorem or some you know some revolutionary piece of math from history and then you go to your science class and you learn about some amazing you know discovery of science and uh, this is just like your homework like it's something so beneath your notice uh yeah i see what you're saying about but then again history is so dense with revolutionary amazing discoveries and things that if you're going to learn it all they they do have to kind of become rote yeah well that's what's the reason i I bring that up is it's i want to know if your your brain is refreshed i want to know what that means like we don't need to sleep but are you are is there still a risk of like theoretically this this invention happens and everyone's using it and everyone's getting twice as much work done and blah 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 and then they start to go mad, right? Yes. And, yeah, yeah. and they and they go, I didn't get a break. I like, when do I just check out? And they, wow. so. I'm really glad you're, you're mentioning this. This is something I wrote down. This was a thought I had about it too. Like we thought along the same lines here because I imagine it like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I'm not sure if anyone knows what actually is depleted and replenished during sleep. But I'm sure there's a lot of research done on that and I'm just not aware of it. But, you know, it's got to be some sort of chemical process, right? Like some neurotransmitters depleted and your brain goes into this diminished state of consciousness while those chemicals get replenished by, you know, your uh, by your nervous system and your nutrition. Um, like that's got to be what happens, something like that, right? I could be really wrong, but that just seems reasonable. And so I imagine this device, you know, it has its fans and its aluminum foil and its hover whatevers and it's like... <laughs> waves are going into your brain and replenishing your neurochemicals and that's how it works but it doesn't your consciousness is still there your focus is still there 
and you're not getting a break. You're just replenishing your brain. You don't feel that fog that you feel when you're really tired. You know, you don't get that pressure behind your eyes that you can feel when, when you're low on sleep. But you don't get a break. So maybe you would start to go mad a little bit, you know, if you never have a break from everything. Like you would have to like you would have to adjust your your own psychology, right? The, the way that you tackle activities in your day, you know, you would have to, at least I would have to structure things more so that I'm working on one thing for a while and then I completely change and work on another thing for a while and then I, you know, replenish my brain in the insomnitron and then I do a different thing instead of just keeping at the same thing all the time. Yeah, I wonder how that would change to, to I mean, we have a weekend structure built into even when you're in the grind of a career for 10 years, you don't work every day for 10 years. You have five days and you really enjoy that weekend. The weekend being a metaphor for sleep here, right? Like you just, you just kind of do something different and you look forward to it. And I think even your day is like, all right, and now I'm done. It's this nice cap. It's a very, there's a beginning, middle and end. I think we crave, there being like I've done all I can do today and it would be it would be annoying to me like all right I just accomplished something and then I go in the machine for eight minutes and like I'm supposed to do something else it's it's like damn it no I I I did a good job today now I I I should just I don't know like like I I should reset or I should have a it, it really disrupts this beginning, middle, and end to your days, or it could in this, you know, you, you just wouldn't have that. It'd just be like this perpetual thing. And I, I, it actually starts to sound like scary and unappealing <laughs> when you when you think of it. Like I, All right, so we have, we have, we have those negative. I mean, that's yeah. definitely a possible negative. And I, I thought along the same lines, but let's, let's try, let's try to flesh out the, some of the positives and see if we can't make a case for this device because like it's interesting how it fl- you know you initially hear about it and you're like that's amazing i want one here's my thousand dollars and then you think about it and you're like maybe this wouldn't be so great but like i think there are some potential benefits and definitely some drastic changes that would happen in society if this was a widely available device i'm trying to think of what other than we advance more because people are able to code longer and build lo- build you know stuff longer and like people, just hours of operation would change fundamentally of, of right. stores and things like this. Our, our relationship with the sun wouldn't be as strong as it currently is, perhaps. Yeah, well, I mean, I imagine that, I mean, it's surely it's, it has to be true that human sleep, sleep cycles are, you know, evolutionarily geared towards the rotation of the earth. Like, right. you know, when yes. the sun goes down, well, we can't see stuff. We can't really do anything. So, you know, we sleep during that time. Um, and yeah, and if it's no those, longer those necessary, so, yeah, yeah. Now we don't need to sleep. I mean, you know, obviously people work night shifts and stuff already now. But if you don't need to sleep, then you know, a security job might, you know, they might not hire two shifts. They might have one shift that they pay you know, 75% more or something. And, you know, you just have your eight hour, your eight minute sleep break in the middle and you have a 24 hour shift or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shifts would be entirely different. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I wonder and, if we'd start to re- not structure the week. Like, why why do this five hour or right. five day to? Could it be like I'll do a forty hour work week all at once and then have a lot of time off? Right. Like, that was my. That's one of my predictions that that I jotted down was a, a big increase in asynchronous work because you could you could quote unquote sleep. You could refresh your brain whenever you want, um, and so. You know, an employer could potentially expect their employees to be available for work at any at any moment, um, and you would just have to schedule that. I imagine. How do you How do you envision our relationship with food changing? Ah, that's another thing I jotted down. Yeah, I, I <laughs> imagine that lunchtime, dinner time, breakfast, like the times would just be obliterated, right? Because you know, if everyone isn't sleeping at roughly the same time and waking up at roughly the same time, then you know they could be. At any hour of the day, you could be hungry. It could be time for a meal. I also wonder if that happens, if you eliminate meal times, what do you think? Do people get fatter on the whole or thinner? Well, I was just thinking weirdly you're eating. Uh, are you eating twice as much, but you're spending twice as much energy? Roughly. We'll call it twice as much, but let's say two-thirds uh, as, as much. Yeah, you definitely uh, burn more calories when you're awake than when you're asleep. So yeah, so you'd have to eat more. I'm not convinced that mealtime would be obliterated. It might the, the ritual of it might become more ingrained, and so we're eating at like twelve, six. I I, I don't know. Like you like think we so? already. Uh, I think I think well I think mealtime is such a crucial part of civilization and socialization, and so I think I I'm I'm not sure. I'm just throwing this out there. So. Um, and it might not be agreed upon with everyone, but maybe maybe your your family or your friend group or whoever it is in your social life kind of starts to gravitate toward. Hey, you want to grab a meal? Well, like I, there people will continue to eat together. That's what I'm confident well, in. Yeah, people sure. will continue that, to eat together, and so then that means yeah. your social group might sort of carve out their meal cycles together. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I mean, I think people would still eat together, but like imagine. You know, you have a five day, five days of no real sleep. You know, and so you are. Let's just start at eight a.m. or whatever, and you eat your breakfast, and then you eat your lunch, and then you eat your dinner, and then you insomnitron yourself, and now it's eleven p.m. And by the time you make it to two a.m. or three a.m., you're gonna be hungry. Again. Well, yes, but why do we have meal meal times now? Shouldn't we just eat when we're all hungry? And yet we have generally agreed upon times, and it's socially constructed, isn't it? What shouldn't we just be grazers, sort of eating and grazing as we go? But we don't. We have. Why do we have meals like meal times anyway? Um, I don't think it's totally socially constructed. I mean, if we were just if we were meant to be constantly eating, then we wouldn't have stomachs to store our food. Uh, there's probably something to do with digestion and the rate of digestion and absorption and, and and there's probably also evolutionary reasons you know in our past when we were hunter gatherers in the winters you know we have to eat big meals and then travel or run you know across the savannas or yeah, whatever yeah. um there are probably reasons why we have to be creatures of endurance and so we need to be able to store up our food. We can't rely on there always be food nearby to, to graze on. Well, it would be obnoxious if I can't sit there and do some physical labor or mental labor for a couple of hours without having to graze somehow. But I do imagine, 
I do imagine an ideal eating scenario here in the this real world, no fiction here, like at just being like like truly grazing and having. I'll call them meals just for the sake of a, a deliberate moment in which I'm stopping to eat. But I could see like that number being more like eight meal, like tiny meals. Uh, I could just I could just see it being that way and feeling pretty good where I'm never very full or hungry or uh, and I just feel I feel satisfied and so it just gets easier to intake uh, healthy food. It just becomes practical. Um, that's very but that's optimistic a, of you. Uh, maybe yeah, but anyway, um, that's. I, it's a little tangential, think, but I, I tend to think that the invention of this device would make people a lot fatter um, because they would be awake and therefore not able to not eat. When you're asleep, that's a benefit, right? You can't eat while you're asleep. Like, so yeah. <laughs> you can't stuff your face when you're snoring. Um, but if you're awake, you definitely can. And every four hours or five hours, you're going to get a little hungry and then you're going to eat. Uh, and I think I think that the um, you know our meals are already generally a little too big uh, and too calorie dense, and so the more meals you have, the more overeating you're gonna do. Well, so. if you think, and if you think of our body as like a machine, um, at first I'm like, oh, we'll have twice the lifespan, but it's twice the wear on your yourself. Like you're, you're taking a lot more. Pe- poops and pee and you're just wearing your your <laughs> what you you're just wearing it all out you're taking so many more steps and your joints are going to wear thinner and uh i think you're going to cut your life expectancy like quite a bit like it might shorten from let's just say it's like 75 now i don't know what it is uh to it could be like what if it went down to 60 or or something like that you, you know even with our modern health advice life expectancy in the u.s is something like 81 okay uh, 81 years old so yeah, let's say it did to... go down to 65 because like yeah your ink things are going to give out earlier you're doing so much more uh yeah you're walking around more you're... so let me uh you might you might be right you're walking around more and so your joints are going to wear and tear just picturing like a car a car you know the the great car to buy is the little the little old church lady who only drove to church on sundays for and she sure. kept it for 3 years and it's got you know 2000 well, miles on it versus someone right. who drives it all the time so well how about the argument that a sedentary person who just sits on the couch has you know a shorter lifespan than the, the jogger who goes out and runs and wears uh, and tears his body every day like, yeah, I don't really know how, yeah, the, what does walking, what is wear and tear, right? Like, is it just good to keep it, <laughs> keep it going? You're right. That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know what is detrimental and what is helpful. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, with regards to the sleep thing, I could certainly see, you know, you, this is sci-fi, of course, so I'm not sure exactly how it would work, um, but I could see maybe since you're awake your conscious additional time, then maybe there's some wear and tear, like you say. You're certainly exposing yourself to more risk by being awake and not sleeping, because when you're asleep, nothing dangerous is going to happen to you, probably. Um, whereas yeah. when you're awake, you could be in a car accident or you know, whatever. You could have an insomnitron malfunction. <laughs> Who knows? Lightning could strike, and you could be awake for the rest of your life. Um, but like... Uh, also like also think about this though um i had a point that i was gonna say uh, that was funny though i'm thinking about lightning striking and yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um also though 
it could have um, effects that could like extend your life. Maybe this is where I was going to try to go, and I kind of forgot what I was going to say there. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, Why would it? So extend okay, so well? so it's replenishing. Oh, oh I remember now. Um, so a lot of adults in the United States, especially, are chronically underslept. Right, like the average person gets less sleep than they need. Uh, uh, people in general, oh, uh, yeah. an adult no, needs true. requires between seven and ten hours of sleep every night. Uh, right, I got five uh, last night and I'm miserable. I'm miserable right now, sincerely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people are chronically underslept, and that's detrimental to your health. But with the Insomnitron, all you have to do is sit under the Insomnitron's comforting hover hood and, you know, microwave your brain back to health for eight minutes and you are now fully uh, reconstituted. And so potentially you could avoid those detrimental underslept effects that people have. What about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard it described as like an, a sleep, a lack of sleep epidemic and things like that. So. Yeah, I think uh, that's convincing. Um, yeah, I don't know though. I think. Um, do I you think, think what? What do you think guilt comes in? Like, it, so those who are just like don't have a lot of grit or are lazy, just like it's it's gonna be so much worse. <laughs> like, or, or am I wrong? Like, like, the is this a rich get richer, poor get poorer situation mm-hmm. in which the productive the hyperproductive people that exist in society already are like capitalizing to an even greater degree. And there are so many people that are lazy. We don't want to call them lazy and we will invent millions of reasons to excuse their laziness, but there are lazy people in the world and they would be on such full display and it would cause like a, a rift even greater than currently exists. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of why that wouldn't be true, but you could make the same argument against the smartphone or any other piece of useful technology that increases productivity. Like, well, that's just what's happening. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's just it's just it wraps right into what's going on now. Is like, yeah, the. You know. The yeah. People who don't function. Capable people have more cap- to work with. Yeah. yeah. Capable people take advantage of the tools at their disposal, and lazy people don't take advantage of the tools at their disposal, and then life plays out. Uh, and, and the disparities grow and it just looks it's it's just more and more uncomfortable to deal with that reality but, yeah. but it also means that at any given moment a quote-unquote lazy person could say i'm tired of this and use all of the many tools at their disposal to you know actually make a life for themselves and have success so the insomnitron like it is, it would just be a tool, and anyone could use it, whether you're "quote unquote" lazy or. Especially the not. price point, because a thousand dollar TVs—that's like a pretty base. You know, you get a. That's a. Not now it's expensive, but a while ago was that was a normal price for a TV. You pay a thousand dollars, you can get a sixty-five inch TV. Now that's pretty decent. Right. So, um, and people have those. So you know, rich and poor people. So I think right. everyone's going to get this. And where this is slightly different than technology, or it is technology, I get that, but it, this digital stuff, is it requires knowledge, whereas this sleep device is just, here you go, here's energy, here's, here's more time, basically. So that's a little bit different than... Well, what uh, about like a car? I mean, a car uh, requires a little bit of knowledge to drive it, but let's be real, it doesn't require that much knowledge. What Most it, everyone drives. 
what a phone or something like that, a smartphone offers, is both access to good and bad. And that's like, so distractions. And there are studies really that people who like impoverished people used phones differently because they no one has shown them the way or, you know, demonstrated a healthy use of how to do it. And so they develop these really bad patterns early on and they continue down that path. So, so, but where, where this is so, different is this is simply neutral. This doesn't have like a, right. there's not a bad way to use it. You just get more time. And so. It, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna argue in favor of smartphones. Definitely they have their negative aspects, but in terms of a productivity device, this would be comparable to something like a, lo- a wash washing machine. Um, yes, yes. A washer and dryer, you know, like it saves you the time of having to manually have your wife wash your clothes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and now the mach- now you can have her do it with the machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the Insomnitron saves, you know, wh- whether you're lazy or not, it increases your productivity and the same as a washer and dryer. Um, but I don't think you would make the same argument and say that you rich get richer because they have a washer and dryer, would you? That's, yeah, I don't think you would, typically. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I see your point. Um, and definitely, I, I think that hyperproductive people would just not sleep anymore. And they would just insomnitron themselves. And, um, yeah. It's just, so, it, would, it would build a new market, I think, for escapism uh, that, I mean, a lot, there's already a market for escapism. I just think it would be, I think that's what you were referring to earlier when you said I would have more deliberate, even a more scheduled time. What you're saying is I'd be deliberate with perhaps developing white space or yeah. like relaxation time or well, whatever it is. I'm sure you've had the experience of it being, you know, a Friday and, you know, you get off work and it feels like the weekend, right? Because your work is done. Yeah, and it's a good s- feeling. Yeah, It is a good feeling. And you celebrate and you do something fun for a couple of hours or something and then you do something fun for another hour or so and it's starting to get late and it's the weekend so you don't want to go to sleep because it's weekend time and you want to you know do something else and it gets time to go to sleep and you feel like oh i don't want to go to sleep i want my friday to continue i mean surely you've had that feeling before right yeah yeah and so this is a time when the insomnitron could be very useful because you could just recharge your brain and then keep going uh absolutely continue to enjoy your weekend but like you say at some point i think anyway you're gonna run out uh unless you structure your life such that you have many things to pull your attention you put you know different things to put your attention on i think you are going to get to a point where you're kind of burnt out on just doing stuff and you're just kind of like oh what do I do? Nothing sounds good right now. And that's where sleep would come in handy. When I feel anxious or I have some sort of thought spiral, I tend to lose track of beginning, middle, and ends. Uh, If that makes any sense. This is a vague description, but if I feel overwhelmed and and I have this to do and this to do and this to do, and it just, I sort of lose track of the idea that that, like a calming thought is that, well, this will be over um, or yeah. this is only going to be around for so long. And so when I am thought spiraling, it's because I'm 
losing track of beginning, middle, and ends. And so, uh, if this if this machine makes me lose track of beginning, middle, and ends, all like like life can start to feel, oh my gosh, I have this and this and this and this and this, and I'll and you start to go, I'm not gonna have the beginning, middle, and end. I'm gonna like. I don't have this nice ends, arch. Yeah. It's just no. It's just like I'm going and going, and I one that starts to uh, bother me on some level um, with yeah. no clear clear resolutions or or caps or that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely think in a world with the insomnitron, there's an increased level of mental illness generally. Like I just think you're going to get more psychoses with people not when, having an endpoint. I think a lot of people, including myself, say we I enjoy. A nap or I enjoy sleep and I am referring to recharging my brain which the insomnitron would give me but but I'm also saying I enjoy being in a comfortable bed and sort of like letting go and I like mm-hmm. being under the covers and snuggling up and it, in the insomnitron world I, I might not do that very frequently at all if ever you know right right like just 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 like letting my body relax in a way that's the thing too is how long before your body's just so achy because it didn't what what state when you're in sleep what sort what sort of relaxation do you have in your muscles like would you see uptakes in massages and things like that you know that's, that's a good point i think you might be right on that you probably like it becomes more necessary to do spa like treatment so you see spas start to elevate because of their mindfulness you know they have sort of a meditative peaceful thing and that you know people crave that more when they're not sleeping as much so i feel like we would get into more meditative states where i'm going to spend the next week like looking at trees or some you know we get really we go like we we integrate some hippie mentalities more into our lives in a in a very simple way like there's really not anything else other than just looking you know that kind of thing hmm. so yeah i think also i think you would have an increase in spas like you say and the hotel industry would just be demolished or definitely revolutionized and turned into like little phone booth you know with insomnitrons in them or something like imagine airports how they would change you know like now there are hotels that pop up kind of near airports, but instead yeah. they would all just go out of business and you would have like the bathroom and then the insomnitron room. Uh, we would need changing locations to shower and poop and and uh, change our clothes. So these stations, yeah, these sort of prep stations, I think would become like, hey, here's a nice luxury place to... I guess that might even fit with the spa nature of things where you I just mean, go and rent showers and stuff. And yeah. This just occurred to me, but like, I think one of the primary purposes of having a home is to have a bed, right? Oh, to yeah. Have, where am I going to sleep at night? Sleep. Where am yeah. I going to sleep at night? And if you have an insomnitron or access to an insomnitron, like, you might not need a home like being homeless might be a somewhat viable way of life if you if it were like gas stations had also insomnitron like little you know <laughs> filler yeah. up stations <laughs> yeah like, or I don't know at why, least i don't know why that didn't occur to me before but like it just hit me like man you might not need a home like you might just be able to uh, I mean, we. I think we crave nesting to some degree. Of, oh, definitely, uh, home sure. base. So, but at very least, we're like the idea of having a kitchen and then a bedroom. Like, I think we still have kitchens. Obviously, we're eating and all this, but like, 
bedroom why the heck do i have a bedroom yeah why <laughs> have know? a bedroom when you could have an insomnitron room <laughs> i mean you i think insomnitron looks like in like you said with the laundry machine you just like pull back put a on, little put it on the back venetian door yeah oh, yeah <laughs> on the back and of your so, toilet yeah yeah so <laughs> you know when you're when you're taking a poop you can just pull down the head piece thing and sleep you have it's a nice like eight hours of sleep really fancy toilets have a bidet and an insomnitron <laughs> very funny yeah <laughs> uh, yeah um but i actually envisioned it being in like a laundry room type setting you know just this little that's wherever the hookups for your your washing machines are often have insomnitrons mm-hmm. um anyway yeah i it's it's i like this i like thinking about it do you think a thousand dollars do you think that's an appropriate price? How much would you pay for an insomnitron? Oh, I mean, it's it's would it's almost priceless. I mean, I pay everything I have to get my hands mm. on one. But then, but then, like, it would be so popular. Like, I th- I liked the price point because it's not free, um, but it's accessible for sure. Uh, and yeah, I, th- I think that's what would happen. I think if it, if that were invented, we would put our. I think that's a reasonable price to create because everyone would say yes. We're making this accessible to everyone. So if we put all of our, uh, whatever power behind creating these, yeah, you'd get it down to a thousand dollars. Whereas the first one costs, you know, three billion dollars or something like that. Sure, <clears throat> it's interesting how like with, even with these sci-fi technologies, like the teleporting refrigerators and the and Somnitron, like. A price just kind of appears and seems appropriate. Like for the teleporting refrigerator, I thought, well, definitely this, the price of a you know mid-sized sedan or something. You know, like <laughs> yeah. $17,000, $18,000. Or, I mean, I guess that's a little cheaper than a mid-sized sedan, but like, you know. Well, do you think that's because you're linking travel and mm-hmm. what do we have that currently travels and size-wise it seems to be? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, so you're I, think, think, I think there's yeah. probably a little bit of that in there that just subconsciously seeps in. But it just seems like, you know, this is going to be the car replacement. Okay, it's going to cost about as much as a car. And that's going to be a bed. I, I guess I didn't think about this. A bed replacement is going to cost as much as a bed. But I think you're right. I think that's where that came from. Or even, I don't mm-hmm. know when my mind went to TV. When I thought of a $1,000 item in your home, though, yeah, TV. TV just sort of is where... Because well, then, well, what I was doing, I was thinking when you said that, my I was thinking how accessible is this product, and then I thought everyone has TVs, and that's that's why I went to TV. Everyone has them, and they are uh, well. I mean, they can the, now they can be like two hundred, three hundred if you just get a small like twenty four inch little screen. So, um, but anyway, yeah, but yeah. Every think, everyone would get an Insomnitron. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just dollars. what you would do. Yeah, I mean, everyone has a smartphone, and you know, they, so many people have iPhones, and those are approaching a thousand dollars, if not more, yeah. by now. It's wild to me. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So, well, Insomnitron. Time Insomnitron. to time to time to Insomnitron the old-fashioned way. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do that later tonight. <laughs> I'm going to do All a right. long... What if there was a machine that was like a long-form insomnitron and you laid yeah. on it and it was really the, comfortable? The cheap version. You like <laughs> It's like a filled-up bag of cloth or cotton and you just lay your head on it for... And it takes like 60 times as long as the insomnitron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it takes eight hours. Yeah, it takes about eight hours. That would be cool. 
Yeah, pretty cool. I think I'd do that. I call try it, it Som- Somnatron. <laughs> Somnatron. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Over. It's over. <laughs> the worst beginning and ending. <laughs>